Welcome to On The Hill Podcast. Welcome to another episode of On the Hill. On the Hill, man. Good to see you again. How you been? Uh, you know, just hanging out. Hanging out. Working. Working, working. Just the E's today. The E's? What you mean? The big E. The, the big, little E. Oh, the E's. The, the E's. Big, I thought you meant like the big E's. Like it's kind of like we're past hump day uh, towards the end of the weekend. Like you're easing into it? You're easing into that weekend, man. Yeah. Almost there. It's already a short week anyway. Yeah. We're not allowed to talk about holidays on here. Yeah, I guess we can't really put a time stamp time on it. Time stamp it. it yeah, was just, we just had Christmas, you know? Yeah. Or, or Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for our country. <laughs> or uh, birthday Thankful. birthday for the country. Thankful for America. That's it. Yeah, nowadays, like, you, you know, they're saying now, so basically we're talking about the 4th of July, man. Is yeah. that okay to say? Yeah. Yeah, well, shit. It's our country, it could, man. It could have been next month. It could be God bless America, man. Yeah. Brought to you by the red, white, and blue. Because we don't want to put a... Well, we we can put we can put a timestamp on it. Yeah. We don't someone put the year because someone could find this a hundred years from now. That's it right. It doesn't matter if it's July or April. Even, even the pros have a uh, timestamp. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So social media is taking over this. Um, now it's not cool to be an American no more. Mm. It's not cool to be anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. So we're actually going to talk about a topic, but I think we can just lead into it with. Um, one thing is, like we said, we're not trying to be political about anything we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to have people here. And we're trying to get people in here of all kinds of different views, different beliefs. Yeah. And, um, but, I mean, this is kind of lay it out real quick is, I don't care what any adult does. It's, it's a, that's one of the greatest things about this country is, you you know, you're free to do whatever and essentially say whatever you want. Yeah. You know, and that, that's what this is all about. But, you know, um, so while we may laugh at something, some of the things would be you know comical, but overall what an adult does, I have doesn't matter to me as long as they don't harm anybody else. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. I agree. And people doing what they want to do as long as it's legal and I think ethical in general, general terms, Yeah, but not forcing it on anybody else. That's it. Just letting everybody be who they want to be. And yeah, if you're an adult, do your thing. Yeah. But if you're not, it's kind of lead into what I'm about to talk about. We're about to talk about. Yeah. It's called the imposter syndrome. Dun, dun, dun. Drum roll. So you say you look some stuff up about it? So, I mean, so when you. Yeah, let me, let me read what the imposter syndrome is. And th- I think it kind of got brought up last yeah, episode. Yeah, so the last episode we had a guest on and yeah, she was talking about the imposter syndrome. And good old Google here. The condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally, hmm. despite being high-performing in external or objective ways. And this condition often results in people feeling like a fraud or a phony and doubting their abilities. And that's from betterup.com. Hmm. And I think it's pretty common in most people. I know... Our last guest, Kate, was talking about it. Like, as a photographer, she was sitting there shooting weddings. Like, what am I? Am I qualified? Am I allowed to do this? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. 
And what about, I mean, so, you know, you went to VCU for music. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did uh, music, well, actually, kind of all my whole life I've done music. That's true. Right. From piano lessons, you're a drummer. So I was doing drums from an early age. And then sixth grade, I started in band. Was playing the trumpet. Get it. And then did a couple other instruments in band, but then I started learning guitar, bass in high school, got into VCU music and was doing uh, music education track. Music ed. Yep. And four years later, graduated, taught for five years, and now I'm actually doing something different. That's right. Switched it up. So I guess you know, related to the topic. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the, I remember coming to your first, so at VCU Music, the, when you start off as a, a freshman and a sophomore, mm-hmm. you have either um, ed, music education or performance majors, right? Yeah. Yeah, most. But when you start off, you're in, you basically are doing the same program. Yeah. Performance, you know, based. Yeah, m- most, I think most colleges have general music, which is just a bachelor in music. Right. So if you want, like, I know someone who got that and she became like a private piano teacher. Hmm. So you don't have a teach, teaching license and you're not really a performer. Hmm. So it's kind of right in the middle. Um, but then VCU had uh, music education and then music or performing performance of music, music performance. That's what right. it is. But yeah, as a performance major, you basically, it was all uh, performance based. You'd have X amount of concerts or solo performances a year and then on top of that you do the theory behind it right uh history music things like that um but for music education i didn't start the education part until like my third year yeah so the first two years it was all performance yeah it was tough for you yeah yeah because i was did you feel feel like an imposter yeah i kind of remember this yeah i was because it was like i knew i liked music i enjoyed trumpet but then I'm sitting here next to the guys. That's all they ever do is play, right? Play a trumpet. And me, I was kind of half and half. I was like, I like this side of it, but also want to get into the education side of it. Yeah. So, so it's you, kind of like a waiting game where I was trying to, yeah, like I was an imposter. Like I didn't, I didn't quite fit in. Yeah. But I was in that spot, and we were treated like performers too the first two years. So it was like, dang. Yeah, and, and like do? one of your advisors, I mean, he was like a world class mm-hmm. trumpeter. Yep, I met Rex Richardson. Rex, uh, I guess we can say his name on here, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's um, he's a well-known, yeah, world-renowned sp- trumpeter. Yeah, sponsored by uh, Yamaha. Actually, Yamaha. Yeah, that's pretty high. That's high speed. Yeah, so he best number player I've ever ever met. Yeah, and sitting next to him, that was even more intimidating because you're right. like, and he was all well. I don't know if you remember when you were a kid. You, um, were, I mean, you were pretty in, insightful as a kid. You know. And and I think you were maybe at pre or early teens, and mm-hmm. you're like, "Hey, look, um, I want to help kids or help influence people, and I think I'm gonna use music as a way to do it." Yep. Remember saying that something like that? Yeah, something like that along those lines. Yeah. So I was like, "Hey, man, okay, great," because we we wanted you to do um to do well in life. But the other part was, and it, it, another side of you want, and this is building to something else, but you want to be yeah. a mechanic, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you know, I want to think I want to work on cars. I'm like, dude, you can do whatever you want, but you can knock out this college first. Yep. Yeah. Get that education. Get educated. <laughs> <laughs> but don't get turned. Don't get turned. 
you know. Not too turned. Yeah, don't get turned. Just a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, you know, it, that's always a big debate about what what agenda or is any school or it, it doesn't have to be the school. It doesn't have to be VCU. It could be a certain professor, professor or a group of professors. What are they trying to push aside from, you know, the general knowledge of what you're trying to teach? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so, you know, you, you made it through that. You're sitting there. And I remember one time you called me and, and you were pretty upset. Was like, hey, you know, I'm not doing as great as some of these other performance majors. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and I, I kind of equated it to like, you know, look, dude, you know, your main goal is this is the freshman and sophomore year was yeah. to to you know get get through this, learn what you need to learn. Mm-hmm. And then the other part was, you know, I said you could be like a, a a basketball coach or a coach. I think we talked about Coach K from Duke at the time. Yep. You know, it the medium you decide to use to influence people in a positive direction, it could be anything. Yeah. You know. But that's yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going off of the the coach thing. I'm like, even as a teacher or you look at different, um, I think any NFL coach, NBA coach, like they usually didn't play in the, in the NFL. Right. They usually didn't play at that high level. Exactly. So at some point in their life, they're probably like, damn, I'm an imposter too. Yeah, because they, they, they had the dream of being, you know um, – an NFL player or probably Coach K wanted to be a um, a pro basketball player. Yeah. I just remember him and, and, and he said, I'm not I'm not just a basketball coach, I'm a leader of people. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you lead people in a direction. But I mean that's also a gift too. So yeah. obviously he's not an imposter, even though he didn't play at the pro level. He certainly prepared young men mm-hmm. to prepare, you know, to play division one basketball at Duke. And then also in, in the uh, NBA. And then go into the NBA, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. And I think they had a pretty high success graduation rate, too, at, at the university. At Duke? At Duke University, yeah. So that was a whole well, other part of it. Yeah, that's whole, it. that was him, too. The whole package, man. But anyway, so so, yeah, all right, so you, you, you go to education. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, like, obviously, your performances. Yeah. And, and you were struggling. I mean, because it was hard. I mean, you, you would be on stage. And you had some practice because you had done – you know, music throughout your whole life, essentially. Oh, yeah. But not at the level maybe you were at, at VCU. Yeah, and it was, I was used to playing in front of, like, family and yeah. in front of an audience with, in a band, not, like, a solo performance. Yeah, it was tough. So it'd be, like, me and a piano player, and I'd be up there for usually a song or two. Then in my junior year, I had to do the 30-minute long performance, which yeah. on... Like for a concert or something, it's a lot different because there's like showmanship to it. There's yeah. all the extra lights and flashy, flashy stuff. But this was like in a suit on the stage with a spotlight, a yep. piano player behind you. It's just 30 minutes straight of playing music. And the performance majors, their senior year, they had to do an hour long one. God, nice. Which I, I, cho- I opted out of that one. Good. Because <laughs> well, I, I was I, focused on the education stuff at that point. Yeah. But I mean, you know. And it's okay to be an imposter because, you know, um, you're you're always going to be – I mean, we're just using this term imposter, but anything yeah. you do new, you're going to be a uh, a novice at. You're going to look silly doing it. You yeah. Know? And we're, we're going to uh, – you're going you're gonna to have the same turn around to talk about me as being a cop. Yeah. That I feel like an imposter. I'll do that in a second. Yeah, but, um, you know, anything you do new, that's like the, um, the court jester. Yeah. You know? And then – I think it's even in biblical t- text or, or people have made references, you know, um, 
You have to become the fool before you become the savior. Mm. So you got to be willing to take a chance to make yourself look foolish or, or actually feel foolish or be foolish yeah. before you can become, you know, master of the craft or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And and obviously the master of the craft is the lifelong pursuit is what, what we're trying to build to aside from just our two professions. Yeah. But how about your first uh, student teacher performance? I remember that. That was at, um, you know, I, have to say, I don't know if we're allowed to say the school or whatever. I guess yeah, I won't, I won't say the school. It was at a high school though. You mean when I conducted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was scary. Because yeah. it was it was their spring concert. I was with a band director who's been doing it for like twenty years at that point, maybe. Yeah, he was twenty pretty, years. He was a decent guy, right? Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I'll say his name. Uh, I don't know. I'll say Mister P. Yeah, that's what I'll say. That. But yeah, he um, like on the side we talk about surfing and stuff, and then he got me ready to conduct, and I was working on this one song with the. I guess a symphonic band maybe. And that was my first time, not my first time conducting, but definitely conducting a band in front of an audience of uh, parents who didn't know me. I didn't right. know them. And which looking back at it now, they're, they're I mean, all the students too were like hyping me up too. Cause I was the student teacher. That's right. So, but yeah, at that point I was standing up there like, Oh my God, that was probably the scariest thing I'd done to that, to that point. Cause it wasn't, it was still under his name. It was still Mr. P's concert and those kids' concert, and I was just kind of stepping in to help. Yeah. So kind of, yeah, even then, that was like imposter too because I'm like, this isn't my school, this isn't my class, even though I helped. And I did right. a lot of the rehearsing. And that was my first experience doing that. But teaching, like five years of teaching music, that got easier and easier. But there were still moments, and we talked about this too, where I'm sitting in front of a class of 30 kids i'm yeah. like who let me do this yeah. how am i allowed, <laughs> am I allowed to do this <laughs> yeah it's crazy man it really is i mean and you know um being humble along the way makes that journey um not necessarily easier but it certainly makes it where if you're humble in the beginning then you have a goal you're trying to reach yeah rather than walking in there thinking you're a know-it-all like yeah i know exactly what i'm gonna do all the time it's like that's not gonna yeah. work and I've realized with, it might, I mean, this, I think it's with a lot of things with music though, especially every, like pride gets in the way a lot. Yeah. And you go up, like I, I just read this thing here. It says had two circles. It's like who you think you are. And you might think you're an awkward, crazy mess who tries too hard to impress people and doesn't have any talents. And then other who others think of you, they just think of you as a pretty cool person. Yeah. They don't see all that negative stuff. I just remember the same guys when I was like going back to the performance thing, um, the performance majors, they go on stage, play awesome. But then I remember going backstage one time and there's probably like top three players we had. Right. And he was backstage like more nervous than I've ever seen somebody. Like sitting there like shaking. Wow. Couldn't hmm. get himself together. And I kind of, you know, just kind of let him be. And he went up on stage, killed it came off stage and it was more relieved but still like oh i messed this i did this i did this wrong hmm. and at that time you know i thought oh i was like oh like i can't compare to that but i listen back now now that i'm not the one like performing or rehearsing for that concert i've watched a few of my old stuff and i'm like damn that's pretty good yeah <laughs> like all the things good. i thought i was doing so bad at it was like actually it's not far off from that other kid right not far off yeah. You know, and, and 
you had a different path than that kid. And I don't know what happened to that kid. I mean, hopefully he's doing well. He's a man now. But Mm -hmm. um, one thing I try to do to to comfort you was like to think about being a a, a multifaceted Mm -hmm. student or person. And that goes in life, too. But um, what I meant was, you know, you're you're trying and you weren't really competing with other people. But, you know, they're they're being judged for their own. level hopefully that the professors are that smart or smart enough to see the individual progress for each individual student but anyhow most of them were yeah yeah, they're pretty decent and then but Mm -hmm. the point was um you know you can't compare yourself to other people i mean it's at any level i mean you should you could compare yourself to your peers as to make sure you're doing a good job as far as your work ethic yeah but what i meant was i think i told you this in more blunt terms was like you know you're trying to compare yourself to people that like sleep with that damn trumpet under your pillow at night. Like that's, you know, they're sitting there hugging this trumpet. Like you're hugging your girlfriend. You <laughs> yeah, know I was, and I was dating a cheerleader at the time. Yeah. So you had pretty high cheerleader and you're going <laughs> home to that. And then, you know, so here, here's the, the trade off. Okay. I'm gonna hug this, uh, bait. What was the name of that trumpet? <laughs> the brand or some shit, Beethoven or something like well, that. Yeah. I had a, it was a Yamaha. A Bach. A Bach. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Man, you had a Bach, dog. I know. It's yeah. like four grand or something. <laughs> I had a Yamaha, too. But yeah. Yeah. The Bach was the, the pro level. The pro level, yeah. But anyway, the point was... Imposter trumpet. You could be hugging that Bach, or you could be hugging... That back. You know that, what I'm saying? That back. B-A-C-K. <laughs> the Bach or the back. I think I'll take the back every time. Uh, hey. They both got me pretty far. Yeah, and... The then, trumpet and the... And the back. Well... <laughs> The Bach and the back. <laughs> yeah. Got you far in life. Doing pretty good for myself. Yeah. But no, I was, I was going off the other thing too. The, um, when I was teaching too, that was a big thing I noticed too, where teachers had a very, not all of them, but a lot of them had a big, e- not, not ego, but yeah, had a, like pride got in the way a lot right. of the time. So like when you're running your own class, if something goes wrong, the teacher's blame and I mean, kids get in trouble too, but it always falls back on the right. on the teacher. So, like those times, you're like, "Am I am I allowed to be doing this? Like, who let me up here?" And you go and talk to other teachers who look like they have everything together, they all, all their shit is laid right. out perfect, but they find out they actually feel the same way too. And it's like either some people put on a better front about it, right, or they just go about it different ways by being organized or. By playing it off like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is nothing. But behind the mask, I think everyone kind of has that imposter. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's right. I agree 100%. Because, and, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to, one more thing. I've started doing HVAC now. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just a company I'm at, but every guy I've worked with has been super, super humble about what they do. Right. And I've been with a guy who's been with the company for over 25 years, and he still makes phone calls. Right. to his boss or to other techs to figure out what's what he's doing wrong or what's wrong. Yeah. If he ever has a question about it. he's not he's not sitting there like, "Oh, well, I can't figure it out, so I'm you know, we can't fix it." He'll sit there and go, "It might be this," and then he'll go call someone else and they'll go back and forth and figure it out. So, I don't know, and that job is like I can be with any job if if you're bouncing off someone else or if you have that backup is less of that imposter feeling because right. le- it's a whole, I don't know, it's just like learning, a learning curve. You'd- well, and it says a lot for, for you and, and um, 
because you're working with people that either some have been with the company for 20 plus years. Yeah. Some of these guys and, and uh, you know, did trade, did the um, uh, technical school mm-hmm. during high school. You know, some of them may have uh, continued education after high school as far as, you know, the, the actual uh, trade itself. Yeah. So it's a mix of people. So, But it says a lot for the guy you're talking about because I think he's one of the supervisors there, right? Or well, some level, yeah. Yeah, well, he was a supervisor at a in another position and got moved over to service. Yeah. But, yeah, he. I mean, he called, he calls my supervisor right. for help. And Well, I mean, that, maybe, I mean, I'm looking at it as uh, not part of that company, but as a customer, I'm like, I would, I would hope that these guys are willing to um, ask advice about oh, yeah. what they're trying to fix because I don't want to have to keep paying them to come back <laughs> and I don't want to waste my money on, a, on the wrong piece or the wrong product. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, hum, that's being humble. Yeah. And that's one of the best having the customer first. I mean, that's huge. Oh, yeah. And it's, like you said, uh, some of the guys have gone through high school. So I've been tra- already trained by an, someone who's eight years younger than me. Yeah. Who's already been doing it for two years. A guy who grew up with his dad doing it, so he grew up around it. Yep. And this other guy who's been doing it for 20 years. So in all aspects, I've, I, am, I am an imposter because I'm coming in from yeah. completely different field, completely different background. But I don't know. It's just how you look at it. Like I... I really enjoy it, and I'm going in just with a complete open mind and learning as much as I can every day. Yeah, be a student of life. There you go. That's what, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of stuff, people are like, who the hell is he, who is he to say, like, I'm trying to, like, act like I know what I'm doing. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're all, quote, unquote, imposters in life because we're all trying to figure out where we are in relation to whatever the goal is, you know. It's like when you get older, as a kid, all adults look like they know what they're doing. Yep. <laughs> and have everything together and you're like when you get older you're like, Well, it's kinda of faking it time fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when you realize your parents are regular people, that's when you're like, damn, it's either it, to me it was a huge shock, you know. Yeah. I think my mom or, you know, your grandgirl, I told her a story or something like that yeah. about some you know, and information is not open, it's not as free as it is now. I don't mean like the type of information, I just mean information in general. So either you had to read it in a book, hear it on the radio, or see it on TV, or yeah. have somebody tell you. There was no internet at all. Was it like black and white TVs? Yeah, I had, yeah, I had a black and white TV. <laughs> I mean, when I grew up, I had color, but I did have a black and white for my Atari. Mm. I got Atari as that- a kid. That's what you had in your room. That was the shit right there. Like a little twelve inch. That's it. Black and white. And yeah, I take it with me everywhere I went. Damn. And if I went to a friend's house, I'd bring that Atari and that little TV. Gamer. Straight up. <laughs> I wasn't League of Nations or whatever the hell this thing. Oh League of Legends. <laughs> Legend of whatever. League of yeah, you had it. League of Legends. Shout yeah, it wasn't Tommy. that kind of stuff. This was like the uh ping pong, bing, bing, and space invaders and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The little thing going on the bottom. That's it. The spaceship. That was it. Or uh, Galactica or something like that. Was there a the snake game too? Well, that, that was on a phone. Yeah. No, they had, and then like, you know, Miss Pac-Man, Mr. Pac-Man, whatever. I, I, yeah, that wasn't, my, that wasn't my thing, but I did enjoy the... Um, That's when you used to walk two miles uphill, uphill to school. Back, uphill back, backwards <laughs> on the way uphill. <laughs> but, um... Sorry. No, it was good. Um, good stuff, but, uh Anyway, I lost my train of thought, but yeah. <laughs> you said, oh, you said you were telling a story about. Oh, yeah. So, so I told my mom a story. I may, may it had been a joke or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, like a week or so later, she, she goes, hey, have, have you heard about this? And she tells me the joke or the story. I'm like, 
God damn, I'm the one that told you. I didn't tell her, but I don't want to hurt her feelings. But I'm like, dude, I told you freaking that. What the hell, bro? You don't remember me telling you that? That was a week ago. That hurt, man. So like, I heard this story. I'm like, like that was me. I told you that, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of a shock, but um, everybody I'm, makes mistakes. Obviously, wasn't the worst thing <laughs> that yeah. ever happened to me. I thought but that was I, gonna be a little worse. <laughs> no, nah, but I think I had that realization. Yeah, yeah. Like she's not. Yeah, she's not perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, she. Um, you know, she forgets. She forgot her favorite son. Damn. Damn. I don't know if you can say Got that. Two now. brothers. <laughs> yeah, we might start a brawl in a second. I might get into it because I might hear it. So, <laughs> what you think you can win? We all got nicknames, son. <laughs> oh no! I whipped that Lily White ass. <laughs> that was a rough day, man. <laughs> yeah, that was the day I almost saw my dad and my uncle fight. I was like, good god, <laughs> nobody's even drinking. Yeah, you I, don't even drink. I don't even drink. But yeah, my man went ham. <laughs> He's like, shut up. What are you saying? Shut up. I, I'm not saying who it is, but he knows if he listens. He probably don't even listen to this. But go ahead. Oh, he might. I don't know. He told you to. He told you to shut up. Yeah. Then he's gonna. He's gonna, he's gonna beat that little ass. Little ass. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he said that Lily White ass. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Along those lines. I was like, man, I thought he bumped his head or something. I don't know. Man, man, eating a cookie. Man went ham up on me. <laughs> and luckily he calmed down. So. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all figured it out that day. <laughs> no beef. All right. So now you get to ask me. Yeah, about I was saying now we got to switch to switch around. Dog. We got to put my interview hat on. Interview hat on. Okay. So, Mister Imposter. Yeah. Let's see. So you got out of high school. 80s. I'm gonna start. Yeah. You were considering going into the Marines, the Semper, military. Yeah. Semperfy. Yeah, and the bad thing was that some guys that I, I mean, this, I mean, I, I didn't plan on talking about this, but I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. But I joined with a couple other cats, man. Yeah, and they went, but I didn't. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was terrible, man. I'm, I still feel fa- bad about it, but I, I think they both did okay. You know, yeah. As a result, um, so I mean, was um, it like you counted to three and they jumped and you just I let them jump and I'm like, damn, how's the water down there? <laughs> now one of the guys was a year ahead of me and. um you know, it really had nothing to do with either one of those guys. Yeah. You know, I, um, when I graduated high school in 87, I mean, um, damn, I mean, I was, I went through like a major depression and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you don't, that's not what we're talking about, but well, yeah, you know, it, it was strange. I guess I graduated high school and I had this whole image of who I was. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the Marines either. It had nothing to do with the military. I mean, I'm certainly was physically able, you know, as far as, you know, um, I'd proven that by being a cop 20 plus years and, the things yeah. I did there. But I mean, in retrospect, I wish I had, had been able to, to mentally or emotionally do it. And it really, like I said, I had nothing to do with the two guys and we're still friends today at some level, but, um, I felt terrible about it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I was at the point for anxiety and stuff. I couldn't even really leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, almost like agoraphobic. Agoraphobic. Yeah. So you, basically you, you, it's a you, big word. You have an anxiety attack. And then um, anywhere anywhere you that you equate with an anxiety attack, you oh. stop going to that location. Yeah, and all of a sudden your world shrinks. Was like I can't go can't freaking go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. You know, and, and is that the main reason you didn't go into the Marines? You think? Yeah, this is the first time if these guys ever listen to this, they'll ever hear that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I mean, I I don't mind talking about it because um, you've gotten past it. Yeah, it was it was debilitating. Um, I mean, it was a. Uh, 
can't, I'm, I'm going to say I was suicidal, but I mean, I was just, I don't know what kept me going, honestly. Yeah. Um, I probably was, I'd already started drinking as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So probably, I think I probably had my first drink as a kid. I don't know, 12 years old or some shit. Like every, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> so you're sitting there playing Atari, chugging a beer, throwing a Bud Light back. Um, uh, that may have been a little bit before. So maybe I was, I don't know. It wasn't a big, if I, if I did, it was like we would sneak it from our parents or something. So it wasn't a major, it had nothing to do with the Atari. Yeah. And it, it, didn't, make, a, it didn't become a crutch until later, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more of like a yeah. surreal thing. Yeah, when like, the, hey. Uh, when yeah. a bottle would freeze. Yeah, like when uh, a bottle of Tangeray would freeze in the freezer because it didn't have gin in it no more. It just had water in it. Tangerang don't freeze. Yeah, yeah. We'll have him one here soon, too. The Silver Fox. The Silver Fox, baby. Yeah, but uh, it didn't become a crush till later. I guess it was just for fun, you know, but you don't realize that you're building these these negative, um, these feedback loops or mm-hmm. whatever. These coping devices would be an easier way to say it. Yeah. So then when it came time to... Um, you know, and I, like I said, I wasn't scared of the Marines. I wasn't scared of anything like that. I literally couldn't even get out the freaking door. Yeah. You're scared of life. Of life. Yeah. So when so, you be, when you become terrified of yourself mm-hmm. and your own anxiety and your own existence, I mean, that becomes a problem. Did you feel like an imposter to yourself? Yeah. I feel like a fraud. Yeah. I feel like a fake, you know, and to my, it, so, you know. Um, at some level, if somebody would say to me, Hey, well, who is this guy to talk about any of these things is because, um, I've spent my, I've spent my lifetime since a teenager or an older teen, early twenties, which is a time that most people, if they're going to have a mental break is going to be them, mm-hmm. particularly for men. Um, I wasn't using drugs. I mean, just alcohol. I wasn't using like marijuana or hallucinogens or, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Shit. Uh, LSD or nothing like that. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with genetics, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, um, the idea of using like an antidepressant, you know, that, that was unheard thing. of back then. So I did see a psychologist and learn how to do these breathing techniques. And this is when I was 18, so I graduated in 87. So we're talking about 88, 89 to the early 90s. Mm. You know, the medications existed, but um, there's such a stigma to it, even within my family. They're like, you know, you're not taking that crap. Yeah. Um, so I just had to learn coping. I basically had to uh, use um, cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. to, to, to just bring yourself down. Yeah, bring yourself back to, to re-envision your life and how it is and, and, you know, the moment and recreate coping mechanisms. Yeah. But anyway, so I became an expert at that because mm-hmm. I lived the shit. And then, but of course I was still an alcoholic. I, I My drinking... All right, we're trying to get to the cop part, I know, but... Uh, well, no, no, this is all yeah. leading up to it. Yeah, so basically, you know, um, when things were good, I was cool, you know, but I, 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 I maybe didn't realize I was using alcohol so much as, yeah. a, as a coping device, as self-medicating. So um, I graduated high school, spent a year home doing nothing. This is kind of what we're talking about with Tommy in, in episode mm-hmm. two. Yeah, he said he'd spend a year sitting around. Straight chilling, baby. But yeah. I wasn't chilling, I was suffering. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... I, it, before I became a, a later in life now, I enjoy my life now more than I ever have. But um, up to that point, my life was a daily struggle. You know? mm-hmm. It was, you know, of course you didn't tell anybody about it. You just tried to fake it till you could make it. Uh, but anyway, so my, well, uh, that's part of it too. Yeah. That like was, you're an imposter to everyone else. Well, yeah. Everybody think, everyone else thinks you're. Yeah. Dude straight kicking it, man. He's cool, you know, and you know, Liverman's the man. He likes to party, you know, get Try to buy beer underage, you know. Put on <laughs> put on my dad's Air Force uniform. Oh God, stepdad with a wedding band that he had laying around. 
buy a pack, a, buy a box of tampons, you know. They're like, oh yeah, this guy's here every week. He's good. Yeah, so I, I would go to like the stores, you know, you know, there's everybody knew everybody in the area, but they opened a Seven Eleven down the road. I would like put on my dad's uh, Air Force uniform <laughs> with the wedding band. With a wedding band, buy a box of tampons. Like, yeah, man, it's a hard day at home. <laughs> it's buy gonna like, be a rough week. Buy cases of beer and shit. But uh, <laughs> we tried everything, man. Some diapers too. Yeah, nipples, baby nipples, uh, for bottles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's we awesome. We were the art, man. We had it. We had it down. And the next day they'd be like, "Oh, he's just hungry." Yeah, yeah, he's here, man. We recognize you, hey, man. How's the air for? How's the military? And I wasn't faking to be in the military. I was faking just to get the beer. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. We had. Yeah, don't come arrest anybody. Now I'm going to be like, he was a, uh, what do you call it? Well, that's a different kind of Impersonating a police yeah. officer. <laughs> Air Force impersonator. Yeah, I, I think. It, uh, so you really had imposter syndrome. God damn. Who am I? <laughs> Air Force? Or you? I don't know. I'm going to take this hat off because it's hot. I'm getting The heat's getting me down like I'm being <laughs> interrogated up in this mug. So but then it, after. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say one other thing. Um. If anyone was, if you could go back, which you, I mean, you wouldn't want to change anything anyway, because it could change your whole path. But yeah, but yeah, I got you. If you could put yourself in your shoes at 18, depressed in a room, what would you, what would, what you would I do different? What would, yeah. What would you tell that person? Today? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I mean, first of all, my parents weren't, weren't into it either. You know what I mean? They were kind of like, you know, thought I was just like full sh- of shit. Like you shake know? it off. Type yeah. Of thing. Tighten up, man. You're good. Mm-hmm. You know, get out of the house. If you don't get a job, you're going to be homeless. You know, that kind of shit. <laughs> Damn. Tough love. <laughs> straight yeah, straight what, from high school to homeless. Good God. I mean, yeah, I think my mom dug it, but I mean, no offense to my parents. I mean, because this thing was, this wasn't as uh, acceptable Different. as it is now. Different times. So they're like, tighten up because, you know, my parents, their parents were the World War II vets, mm-hmm. the greatest generation. They didn't yeah. tolerate that bullshit. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. our parents were cool. I'm not saying that, but they, they, I don't think they understood, you know, and particularly my dad, my mom and dad are divorced, but my stepdad, I mean, he kind of got it. My dad and my stepmom, and, you know, she was on all kinds of medication for being a freaking psycho. She still is. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he didn't buy the shit at all. You know, yeah, cause he was just like, yeah, he's like, you know, tighten t- up. What the hell is wrong? Buttercup. Yeah. Tight, you know, tighten up. Why are you seeing a counselor? Cause I was on his insurance and shit. <laughs> Why is this $25 copay coming out? You know? It's like, bitch, you make a hundred thousand fucking dollars back in the eighties. You're doing pretty damn good. What's twenty five bucks? Chump change, man. Shit, Dang. my brother ran in my foot with a truck one time when we were in vacation. God. I jumped out the back of the truck as we were pulling up to the store. Uh-huh. So he ran over my foot with the back of the truck. Jesus, it won't. I mean, it wasn't really his fault. But anyway, well, I'm pretty sure my foot was broke, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and my this is my older brother, and he's like one of my older brothers, and he's like, hey, I don't want to get in trouble, you know, because. Why would you jump? Why don't I let you jump what? out of the back of the truck? You yeah, know, that yeah. kind of shit. So I had to make up a story that I fell off the boardwalk. <laughs> we're on vacation and and the uh, outer banks, and uh, so I was like, dude, I couldn't fucking walk. So, so you were limping around with a broken foot all week. Yeah, pretty much. So I finally told my dad, "Say, hey, man, I need to go to the doctor." Mm-hmm. And so he took me because he was pissed. He's like the whole way. He's like basically, he didn't really cuss, but he was pissed off. Yeah. This is my my dad, my biological dad. Yeah. But after seeing the doctor, I, the doctor standing, he's like, so what happened? I'm like, hey, dad, do you mind stepping out of the room? <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? He was pissed. So he steps out, you know. Oh, he actually stepped up? Oh, yeah. He was pissed, though. Mm. And I said, actually, my brother ran over my foot with a yeah. truck. 
you know. But anyway, it, essentially, there's not much they could do to stay off your foot. But um, and don't jump out of a truck. Yeah. Then the rest of the vacation, maybe this was a Wednesday. I had to listen to him. We can't go to dinner this week because that money was spent <laughs> for that copay. Oh We're gonna go to some freaking, you know, uh, all you can eat bar mitzvah or some shit. Not not because it's Jewish, but whatever seafood like place a, a buffet. Buffet, man. Yeah. Wrong, or you can eat some of the, the finest food. You know, he wasn't a very classy. He's like, it's a two-mile walk. Yeah. He we're wasn't not, the classiest cat. You know what I mean? We're not driving. Yeah. So we're anyway. Like, like a nine ninety nine buffet type thing? Some bullshit. We end up going anyway, so. <laughs> Bitch had plenty of money. But anyway, um, sorry, Dad. You're in, after today's his birthday, I think. Is it really? Happy birthday, Dad. Love happy, you. Yeah, happy He's birthday. He's watching me from heaven. They, these these are just trying to make little funny stories. I mean, I would have been pissed too, man. I know. If I had a knucklehead son and got run over by a truck. I, yeah, imagine me jumping out of the back of a truck. I would have been like, bro, what the fuck? But you'd, I, would have, I already had you at the hospital. Yeah, that's true. Fuck. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but anyway, all right, so back, what would I tell the 18-year-old? I'd say, look, man, you know, uh, I know you're suffering. This is real. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think I would go more about obviously the, the therapy route is also with some kind of medication to, uh, mediate the, uh, the symptoms yeah. that suffering because, you know, your body gets on, on a, um, it's like the fight or flight syndrome, but it never cuts off. Yeah. You know, every, you get on this thing, mm-hmm. you just can't get out of it. And, um, the medication just helps you relax more serotonin to the brain and mm-hmm. all that. So, cause we're both on medication Yeah, and I'll, I, I'll talk. tell anybody that yeah, cause because, like, you said one time, you're like, anybody will, well, not, not anybody, but most people won't think twice about taking, like, high blood pressure medicine. Right. Or if they have a headache, they don't think twice about taking right. migraine medicine or even, you know, allergy medicine. But when it comes to depression, anxiety, you're like, oh, no, I can't. I can't mess can't with do my, it. I'm weak, man. I can't I'm mess weak. with my brain. Like, dude, your brain's already messed up. <laughs> you F were up. born messed up. Well, everybody's brain is messed up. I mean, there is no norm. I mean, that's one thing, you know, uh, we'll get to this about the my police career being an imposter. But, I mean, since I, you know, retired and all that, and plus, you know, I, my lifelong journey of being an, an alcoholic and becoming sober and all that, dealing with anxiety for 18 years. Yeah. 18 years. Be 19 years this January 12th. So, yeah, so it's been. Congrats. Yeah, man. And, and alcohol's killed, you know, many members of, of my family. So yeah. at, at some level, you know, mm-hmm. through body deterioration, man, it's a sad fucking podcast, man. Yeah, it's breaking getting, my heart, dog. In the dark, man. So anyway, so I somehow got my shit together. I think the therapy worked. I worked on the, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Ended up going to college after I spent a year working at, at a rental, uh, you rent, rented equipment. Yeah. I had worked there six days a week, 12 hour days. It was, it was hard work, mm. but I, um, I knew I, I got to do something else. I can't be doing this my whole life. Yeah, break your body down. So I barely got out of high school, so I had to go to John Tyler. Well, it was John Tyler, formerly John Tyler. Bright Point. Bright Point. Trailblazers represent. Yeah, right. And then um, they didn't even have a semester system. They only had a quarterly system. <laughs> so I had to get my grades up enough to get into uh, Richard Bland College, mm-hmm. of the College in William and Mary. So like back then it wasn't... It was like a pre-community college type thing. Yeah, mostly it was about trades. It wasn't so much about education. Now it's you know it's a you know and it's both. Yeah, now it does both. But, but a good yeah. trade program. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll say. I mean, it helped me even back then. I mean, it was a great program. Yeah. It just needs to be called John Tyler. Yeah, I know. Imposter. Um, yeah, that's an imposter. Bright Point. Besides all that, who names a shit Bright Point? Yeah, I guess some Bright Somebody. Point up there sitting making a bunch of money. 
Yeah, making that money, making they it all. Had a lot of good other names. Well, the other I part saw is the 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 poll for it, the votes for it, and that I don't even remember that one being on there. But the other ones weren't, weren't bad. I can't remember them. But the ones that people voted on is not what happened. No, hell no. Well, they didn't show the results. They just put the poll out. But there's like two two of them. I can't I can't remember what it was. But it was, it was way better than Trailblazers. I mean, uh, Bright Point. Yeah, that's the like, new mascot. The Trailblazers for the Bright Point. Yeah. <laughs> It has nothing to do with the It only other. makes sense. I guess you're trying to get up to the mountain, to the bright. Point. Yeah, climbing that mountain. But they're anti-religion. Well, <laughs> Don't talk about God today. On the hill. All right, so. Um, so All right, so after that. Yeah, basically I uh, the same, one of the guys who went into the Marine Corps, you know, and um, he did well. I mean, um he, yeah, we talked about this at length, but maybe not about all this. But mm-hmm. even if he does listen to us, then he'll be like, oh, okay. Maybe he'll get it. Maybe he won't. Oh. I'm not saying he's the brightest point on the mountains. <laughs> no. But anyway. Um, trailblazer. Trailblazer. So anyway, so he was a cop. I was trying to become a social worker. I had a four-year degree from Virginia State University in social work. Got in there on a minority scholarship. <laughs> the Trojans. The Trojan, baby. I was like the only white cat in class, baby. So you got you had a minority scholarship. Yeah, for being a white guy. Yeah. At VSU. Yes, sir. HBCU, baby. That's it. Yeah, I was walking down the hallway and, and the ROTC guy flags me over. He's like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> what year are you? I'm like, I'm actually a transfer student and as a senior because I went to VCU too. Yeah. And he's like, hey, man, um, we got a scholarship available. <laughs> I was like, I'm looking around like, God damn, I am the only white cat around this. I mean, it was, it was I mean, we're making light, but it's just real. Dude, I'm walking down like, like Johnson Hall, which is, this place is huge. Yeah, yeah. And that guy runs me down. So you, tra- yeah, yeah. You didn't go ask for it. Hell no. You were just touring. I, I was. Did you feel like an imposter in classes? But I, I, I didn't feel like an imposter. But I didn't feel like nervous or scared or nothing like that either. I, didn't, I mean, like I tell yeah. people, race is not a factor to me. And um, I had friends, you know, when I was in high school that were black, and people were like, oh, what a big deal. But that wasn't really the thing back then. No. In the eighties, um, but it, I didn't give a shit. I really don't care, and uh, still don't just, care. Just people. Yeah, and uh, you were raised that way too, and so was your your mm-hmm. your sister. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I was sitting class. I mean, it, I remember one time, and I guess your mom's going to hear this, but this one lady, <laughs> one of the, my co students, oh, I was at like, Doctor Sims was a teacher, but uh, we're doing like a, a sociological, so, uh, sociological, yeah, sociology. Yeah, yeah. We had to do like a W E W E B the boys. Take, mm-hmm. take a topic and discuss it, pros and cons. So I think I was going to take the con because mm-hmm. I was a white guy because I had to, you know, oppose yeah. W.E.B. Du Bois, you know. Okay. He was like a philosopher or sociologist, but he was black, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, so she took the other side. Yeah. And we were supposed to work together. She was, I mean, she was a good-looking lady. So she's like, hey, can you come in after? Because I, I just commuted every day. And I was like, sure. But, so I come to the library, like, you know, got all my shit together, trying to look like I'm smart. <laughs> And it hit, all of a sudden, her football football boy a boyfriend comes in like you know, freak, who's this motherfucker? This is the guy, the nerd guy I was telling you about. Hey, yes sir, he's going to get us an A. I am the nerd, yes sir. You know, but yeah, we but she did great. As a matter of fact, I mean, we both got A's on that. Oh yeah. Well, he's probably staring you down the whole time. Like he was pissed, but then as we get as a. His, yeah, we better get a bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna whoop that ass. <laughs> Cause I won't be able to hide on snatch ca- that scholarship, boy. Yeah, I ain't gonna be able to hide on campus. No, no, you stick out. Yeah, a little bit. And I had some, I had an orange fucking Nissan too. Centra <laughs> called it the pumpkin. 
Did you have that shiny head back then? No, no you had, had hair back then. I had a little bit of hair back then, a little mustache. Like the... Yeah, not the Hitler one, but like, you know... <laughs> Whiter than the Hitler. The peach fuzz, man. Okay. I don't think I... I don't, might have to, I don't think I had a goatee, man. You rocking the beard now. Yeah, man. Finally growing this beard. Don't look like Tommy. Tommy, yeah, Tommy's got the the womp all down to past his neck. Jeez, I can't grow man. like that. So does JC. He'll be on here one day too. I'm gonna try to grow it long like the Duck Dynasty boys. Oh, you gonna braid it? Put might some go, beads at the end. Might grow my hair back on my head too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know bald, how that would come that in. bald landing zone for the world. Get that helicopter that follows me around. I was. I see so the what do they call that? You have the hair around the outside of your I, head. I don't know, man. And it's bald on top. That smooth shine. The smooth shine. But we had a professor in, at VCU. Yeah. And he had a clean shaven, it wasn't really a beard. He had a tight. It was tight. And it went yeah. it went up past his ears, around his head. Damn. Like a... Straight G. Like a half of a, a bandana or something. Around the back of his, his head. His head was a half bandana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of hair. Damn, that's badass. But it looked, it looked sweet. Because... Cause you see, usually see like the old dads with the bald spot on top. Yeah, that's cold, man. But he had it trimmed up nice. He had a little fade on the side too. Damn, bro. I know. I was like, where do you get your haircut, man? He said that. What's that place you went to over there? In Richmond. The Cuttery. No, oh. on uh, it was on like Main Street. <laughs> Cuts. Uh, well, the Super Cut. Those are all the cheap places. Yeah, the yeah, pl- not that piece of shit. I'm all right, the place out. I'll, I'll promote this. Refuge for Men is what it was called. Damn. And it was it was weird. It was Refuge for Men. And there were some dudes, they usually did the beards, but it was mostly women in there. Were yes, oh, that's the best. And there was like, I mean, you went in there, there was an old bulldog that would greet you at the door. Yes, sir. And the owner, she looked like she could kick your ass, but. I like it. She'd be like, go sit down right there. Damn. Like, yes, ma'am. You were like uh, submissive. And then they. She was it. not an imposter. They cleaned it up. Oh, no, no. She knew what she was doing. So this is all the topic, but we're just shooting the shit now. But um, I went to a barber shop. It's called The Barber Chair. When I was in like high school, <laughs> so uh, Larry, that's the, real original. That's called the barber chair, man. Barber chair. Right here on uh, Route One, baby. Well, you took me there before when you were a kid. Yeah, I took you to over Walnut Hill Barber Shop. That was right, first, down, right down the road. The guy who used to live on our road. The, oh was, no, 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 that yeah, that's I, different. Yeah, that's like a religious cat, man. Uh, oh man, Wilbur Wilbur Worley was the guy's name. He cut for God. Yes, he did. Wilbur Worley, my and man. He gave that house that the guy, the other guy, the tall guy. So he, he worked for a guy named Wilbur Worley. Wilbur Worley. That's a and Mr. Worley you know, owned that little shop. And the other guy was the assistant, the tall kind of pear-looking dude. Yeah. And uh, he ended up, when, he, when Mr. Werber, Wil, Wilbur Worley died, whatever, mm-hmm. he let that guy take the house, too, and the business. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know if they had something going or it was like Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street. But yeah. Something was legit happening. But the other, the other guy was married. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I went to the barber chair, man, and um, – this cat, he had, when you said it, made me think he had a pit bull in there. Mm. But what, what's it called? It looks like a tiger stripe. Oh, you mean like when the hair's going backwards? No, no, not that's a uh, no. He had like that that the, the pattern on his body looked like a tiger. Oh, they call it something. I don't know. Was it pit bull? Yeah. Look know. that cat up. Keep talking. So anyway, you'd go we'll look, in there. We'll look it, was this like, up. it was like one barber chair, man. So you'd walk in there and like you know it's like. <laughs> This old ass furniture and stuff, porn magazines and shit, hustler magazines and stuff. God, where's this place at? It was uh, right there on Route One, right near where the tractor supply is. Mm. But anyway, um, so I was a kid sitting there, like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. What's it called? Brindle. Brindle. 
The yeah. brindle pit That dog bull. was cool, man. Look like that. That's, uh, I don't know, that's kind of a beefy looking one. Look more like the cat down at the bottom. Yeah, the, the light, lighter. Yep, that's so how it, he looked. So it's kind of like light brown, almost like an orangey kind of. Yeah, man. Does look like a, or a tiger. Yeah, he was he was smooth, man. It might have been a female, but I think about it. I can't remember the dog's name. But anyway, so we're sitting there, man, and like one day I was in there, and the guy was, you know, you had to wait in line. Yeah. But I, I didn't mind waiting because I love people's stories. I would just sit there and listen to the stories <laughs> and laugh. I'd be laughing my head off, man. And of course, the guy who was the barber, he was he was a professional storyteller, man. I mean, that mm. guy could tell some stories. Yep. But one day he had a guy in there, and he was cutting his hair, and he was talking about, I guess, the guy in the chair had the, uh, a gambling problem. Yeah. And I thought they were just shooting the shit, you know, but he's actually like, hey, I guess this month I did pretty good. I won't be eating dog food for for the month or something. So when he left, mm-hmm. I'm like, was he just messing around? Because mm-hmm. Larry, he was really nice to me, but he gave other people a little bit of hell and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he ended up, you know, one time he took your grandmother for a date, not grandgirl, but grandma, took her out on a date. <laughs> really? He was a player, man. But anyway, <laughs> he had like a convertible and stuff. The barber chair. Yeah, man. He was cool, man. So the guy actually was buying dog food and shit. To eat, cause not not that Larry, was, but the the guy that's getting his hair cut. Getting his hair cut. He goes, "Nah, man, that's how that's how bad he is for addiction and stuff for gambling." Yeah, to gamble your. He said he ate it out food the away. out the can. Mm. Well, at least he got yeah, at least he got the good shit. Had a little ligaments up in it and stuff. I don't know, but anyway, the um <laughs> full crunch to it. Ugh. So anyway, so, yeah, so, so yeah, go ahead. This go is one of the best. So the guy been married like three or four times. You know, he'd always tell Larry, his, Larry he'd tell these stories and shit. <laughs> so a bunch of guys are in there, and I think I was in the chair, and he's like, he goes, he goes, boys, I, he goes, I, I can tell you one thing. He goes, I knew when my marriage was over. You know, I was like, well, how the hell is that? You know, he's like, well, I was brushing my teeth, and my wife came in and took a shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. Yeah, I was like, damn, bro, <laughs> I never forgot that man. I was like nineteen years old. I was like, I thought that was the funniest thing. But yeah, if you're brushing your teeth, your wife comes in and takes a dump. You know that's floating around in the air. Too. Yeah, that's just like, bro, that's pure disrespect. <laughs> Do you just walk out of the bathroom? He, he said that was it. He was divorced. <laughs> Damn. So she took a shit and he said, That's it. I'm done. Deuces. And I, I, he might have been the biggest pain in the ass, but I mean, I don't know how much money he made as a barber in that, that location, but whatever. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> Now, I'll tell you something else. There's your, your lesson for the day. Two things. I'll tell you, like in, when I worked in Petersburg, of course, I worked there my whole career, but um, sacred things are like a funeral home, white or mm-hmm. black. And barbers, most barber shops traditionally have been either white or black. Yeah. You know, and it's not like a big thing to the people that are involved in them. You know? No. It's just, I mean, people make a big deal about it, but literally, but the one you went to was like multicultural. It was. Yeah. Plus, it was in Richmond, which is very... Yeah, more, more liberal, more open. Yeah. And it was... Um, I'm trying to think. I think the lady who owned it, she was, um, damn, I can't remember her name, but she was, uh, graduated from VCU and then I guess got her training somewhere else, but she was a lesbian, um, and also a black, um, black lady, but that's what she kind of promoted was like openness, like, yeah, well, that and all, like a black business owner. Yeah. And she probably started smaller. I don't know. But by the time I was going, huge building, yeah. two stories to it. Damn. That's what I was, it was like the guys would go upstairs. There's a second story where you get your beard cut and trimmed and stuff. And then downstairs, there had to be like 12, 15 chairs down there. Wow. It was, I mean, it was always packed too. You couldn't make an appointment, but you'd go in there and you'd wait 30, 40 minutes. That's legit. I mean, that's what we want. That's why we were promoted with the last, uh, 
with Kate on here. It's like yeah, a female owned any business. But I mean, in today's environment, I mean, um, that's what I hate people down the country because these things are happening and people are making these success stories. Oh yeah, it don't matter who Every they day. are. Yeah, and this is like I don't I don't believe the false narrative. I think this is the greatest opportunity for people to to uh, excel and live and and uh, live fruitful lives for their families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so which back to. A fruitful life. Yeah, so... Your career. So, 94, I graduated Virginia State, applied as a cop, or did a ride along with, with uh, this guy, um, and I was in love with it, man. I was like, this shit's awesome, man. Yeah. And plus, I you grew up, my stepdad start. was a retired firefighter, so, I mean, I grew up in that environment. Yeah. But, yeah, so when I when I went to the academy, I had, like, little round, like, John Lennon glasses, <laughs> grew just a little, like, little, this crazy-looking mustache, trying to look, t- you know, I mean, I'm not saying I was never not tough. I don't, I don't yeah. ever not going to say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I had my mental problems or break when I was earlier in life, but um, I still wasn't some, you know, some bitch. I mean, I still could handle myself. Yeah, yeah you wrestled and yeah, yeah. So I want some some sports and stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, so I'm not saying any of that, but I just know compared to the people, particularly at the time when I graduated in 1995, they mm-hmm. mostly were hiring military people, um, ex-military, and um, or military experience or previous police experience. So, I mean, I was like the anomaly at in the PD. I remember my sergeant, when I first opened his shift as a permanent assignment, he, that dude freaking hated me. He was the old school sergeant. Yeah, because you had no background. No background, um, uh, grad, college graduate, social mm. work degree, yeah, little yeah. round glasses. And I, I would, you know, defend people like, hey, you know, um, and but you know um that that was that was my mo honestly and um i'll talk about that in a minute but a uh if, if i had the time to hear your story or, or try to work through the situation the arrest wasn't always the, the immediate solution for me you yeah. understand mm-hmm. so i mean um so i was an imposter i mean i wrote along uh on my ride along program with this this guy was awesome man he told me on my first day get in sit down and shut the fuck up <laughs> That's how I started, bro. <laughs> Bitch didn't talk to me for like two weeks straight. Just Sat, watch and learn. Yeah, unless I unless had a question to do with work or he asked it. I tried to do small talk, nothing. Damn. That's that's rough. Yeah, I finally got him to laugh one time. When, uh, but anyway, so he did that for two weeks on purpose. He was like prior oh, yeah, military. Yeah, yeah. His name was Jerry, man. That dude was a, he's a beast, man. But he's just trying, yeah, he was trying to mess with you a little bit. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And I saw things that cops did back then. I, I was like, bro, what the... Mm-hmm. Is this? Can we do this stuff? Yeah, not saying him, but I mean, I saw. Well, I'm not gonna get into that right now. But um, uh, this it was a different era back then, man. I mean, no phones, no phone. If you if you ran in Petersburg from the cops, you were guaranteed a thumping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they wouldn't like kill nobody. But I mean, I saw some things. I I was shocked as a young man. You know, fresh out of the academy with these all ideas about, you know, how we can make the world a better place, which I still know we can, um, and we do it all the time. But uh, so I was an imposter for a long time until I finally got handled one time by a female mm-hmm. on, on North Sycamore Street. Her name was, uh, I guess I can say her name. She was arrested for it. Not like it's a secret. Yeah. Yeah, she, she was arrested for assault <laughs> on me, but Shelly Redwine, man. She got, oh, so she got arrested assault, assaulting you. She dumped me in the street, bro. In front of my, I mean, not just in front of my squad, but like there's like four or five hundred people out there. Because I yeah, it was a block party or something. Yeah, well, a club let out. Club oh. Alzinas let out. So it's probably chaos. Chaos. It was chaos back then, bro. So I was, I was they were arresting <laughs> her boyfriend, and she came up, and I was just trying to be nice, like it's okay, man, back up, back yeah, up. Yeah. And she like fuck backing up. She ran through me like I was a paper doll, man. <laughs> Hyper extending my arch of my foot. Damn. 
fell off the curb. What was, what did your partner do? Oh he, yeah, well, well, I mean, I was on my own back then, but I mean, oh, this is after the ride yeah. along. So the whole squad was out there, but yeah, I mean, we got her in handcuffs, but I caught hell for that shit for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, damn, back to the imposter. I was the well, I was the imposter then because I, I think I just uh, underestimated a woman's mm-hmm. you know strength, and because she's a she was a big lady, she's probably damn near six feet tall. Good but call. I saw her as a lady, and I was like, hey, calm down, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, you know, and then this, well, plus when people are mad like that. Yeah, but yeah, she she knocked me down like I was nobody, bro. I was like, damn. Woke you up a little bit? Woke me up. Then there was another time that I got, you know, uh, I was on a domestic violence call, and I, I didn't know it, but um, the, the neighborhood was going crazy. Like, you know, the, ended up being the victim's family were there, and mm-hmm. the, the suspect who got out of jail came right back to the house. He wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. And uh, when he showed up, the family and the neighbors were trying to, like, take him down. Mm-hmm. And um, I was standing there trying to defend him. And then the street crime unit shows up. And uh, I was like, these guys were the wrecking crew, dog. And um, they ran through me to get to him. I mean, that just knocked me down. Like, I, I was caught up. They, like, they took me down with him. Damn. My face was in the dirt and all kinds of shit. Because you were right there. I was right in the way, I guess. <laughs> and then the sergeant was like, don't you know nothing? The fuck wrong with you? You're supposed to get out of the way. I'm like... This is after the handcuff thing. I'm like, who is the fucking guy? They're like, that's the guy that hit her with the, you know, uh, like an iron or something that split her head wide open. Mm. So, I mean, I, I was not only was, I guess I was, you know, still trying to learn the job. Yeah. He acted like I should have known all the previous arrests, which uh, there was a sheet you could read, you know, uh, like the, the um, we, I can't remember what we used to call it, but you used to have a review of stuff. But you, would, you wouldn't necessarily know about a uh, an arrest like that, particularly if it happened the night before or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he could have done a better job, but um, but it, when they pulled off, they left me there alone, and the crowd was still there. Like, you stupid motherfucker! They're cussing <laughs> me out. I'm like, all right, right. by the crowd too. Yeah, I didn't ask. I didn't know the guy was a suspect. Motherfucker, rookie, learn that <laughs> job, boy. Damn. So the yeah, I took imposter some, syndrome. Took some hits, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think um, I know I don't, how much time we got on this bad boy. I don't know. We're gonna keep it rolling. Let's keep on rolling. But I yeah, because but what I was gonna say was. It wasn't just those type things that that changed me. I, I think um, uh, seeing the suffering that people went through, you know, particularly the uh, like one of my first major calls was a um, is an apartment complex. A boyfriend came home mm-hmm. and uh, shot his girlfriend, baby mama, whatever, like nine times. Good God! Like a three eighty. Uh, I think it was a three eighty, mm-hmm. and. It was it was like a um, surreal scene. It was one of the first officers there. The suspect had ran. Ladies in the bedroom. He chased her through the house. And this is maybe like a two bedroom apartment. Yeah. And she's laying on the bed, halfway on the bed, and halfway off, screaming because she's just been shot nine times. You know, from uh, shoulder to feet, mm. uh, coagulated blood, all like that, real thick blood everywhere. Yeah. I mean, not because it took time to get there, just because that, that was the extent of her injuries. Yeah. And then the, what really was the hardest part, I never forget, was like the little daughter was sitting there on the couch, mm. just frozen. Like she was so there she, when the shit happened. She saw know? all of it. Saw all of it. So amidst all the chaos and the same sergeant, he's like, what the fuck you doing? Get the fuck out of here. It's a crime scene. But before I left, I picked that little girl up mm. and carried her outside and, um, she was I'm just she was in shock, man. I don't oh, think yeah. she was even crying. She was just like frozen. Yep. And um, I started asking the neighbors. Anybody know? You know, 
can, mm-hmm. can somebody watch her? Is her mom around or something like that? Or not our mom, a grandmother or aunt, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so that, that kind of changed my life forever right there. I mean, so many calls. But there is another call where... Now, um, do you know if the the mom made it? She lived, yeah. I should say, if she lived and then um, I was like, now I was beginning to change mm-hmm. as a cop. Yeah. So I remember going down to the jail we had a little city jail there and a the guy was in there and the detective was trying to interview him. Um, they called him man sugar bear. <laughs> the, the detective. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool, man. Sugar bear. But he, you know, he, he'd been there forever then and he spent his, you know, he was, a, he knew everybody and, um, he was a great interview and a great person, but, uh, I won't say his full name, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I get down there. He's trying to do the interview mm-hmm. and I'm full of rage now. So he's got the suspect, and there's like a holding area that he was in, which separated us. So you go into the jail, put your gun away, mm-hmm. handcuffing keys and shit in this lockbox, boom. Yeah. And you walk down the hallway, and he's sitting there, and the guy's trying to interview him. I'm like, motherfucker, you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. What, like, during he, the interview? Yeah. He's like, he's like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm doing something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was my first, like, losing it. Yeah. It was the first time you, like, let it all out. Yeah. Well, at least in front of. In front of, yeah. I mean, we always talk trash. That was nonstop. But this was like at the suspect. I'm like, let me tell you something. You know, who kind of person does this? You know. It probably just came out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all kinds of calls, man. But I remember um, one of the magistrates there, he's a, he was a cop and he became a magistrate. And um, like three or four years into it, like uh, they arrested this this. Uh, lady for drunk driving and like mm-hmm. her sons came down to get her and they were like hard hammering cats i mean like they were like it was a legit family there's yeah. like certain families in Petersburg, and it, they were one of them but they were also i mean they caused hell on the weekend but they worked too they were they weren't like drug dealers they're just regular i'm not saying everybody in Petersburg is a drug deal i'm not when i say families people associate that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. now the mom was notorious like she ran like nip joints and stuff <laughs> and uh they came down and um we were trying to get her down the steps and she was falling. She, I mean, she was drunk. And um, one of the guys came up. He was big. Yeah. And he was trying to like stop the cop from helping the mom or getting her down the steps. Yeah. And like I showed him and knocked him backwards on the steps. Damn. And the magic came out. He's like, all right, all right, bring it up. You know, mm-hmm. let's get her in here. And then when we got inside, he's like, he's like, damn, Liverman, you're probably the most changed person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you win the war for being the most changed cop. He went from that that little round John Lennon look to, uh, you know, just, just handling business. Handling business. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, you know, it wasn't an easy transition. Um, but I mean, we can always talk more about this in, in more detail, but that imposter syndrome was, was real, you know, and, um, there's so many other stories, but, uh, really what I wanted to get to at this part of it was, you know, um, also had the privilege of teaching at the police academy. Mm-hmm. DT. I mean, I did that as a cop. I did that after I retired and stuff. But um, the defensive tactics, firearms, driving. You know, pretty much everything of the specialty skills. Yeah. Except DUI stuff. But I had had under uh, recruits under me for I think three or four classes. That's where this trophy came from. They gave me that that little trophy one time. That's just one of the little things. Sergeant but, Liverman says, "Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it." The 99th. That's it. That was from the, uh, yeah, that was the 99th, uh, not law enforcement, but uh, Jailer Academy. Oh, okay. My boy was in there, man. Mueller. Yeah, he's got a little wrestler on top of the flames under him. That's it, boy. That's you. Yeah, it's kind of like a joke, but yeah, but it also was legit. No, anyway, that's, yeah, that's awesome. I was like, let's get it. Let's get it. But that's anyway. A, a keepskate right there. Yeah, oh yeah. 
you'll have that one day. Get that to you to my grandkids, man. Yeah, get the little dust off of it. But uh, the point of, I mean, we're kind of jumping here, but the, really, I'd stand in front of the class at some point, and this is the question I wish somebody would ask me as a recruit. Yeah, and asked us early on was, "Are you today? Are you prepared to kill somebody?" Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What?" And and then I, and this is not something I came. I heard this. Uh, I can't remember either read it or heard it, but uh, close your eyes and imagine the person that you're going to have to. It's a good shoot. The situation's happening. You've got to shoot. It's, it's, it's no. It's not. There's no. There's no controversy. Yeah. It's your worst nightmare. You pitch at a person you, you need to shoot, mm-hmm. and then you, people open their eyes and like okay, So who is the person? And, and you know, um, you know, large, a black, a white redneck dude with a you know baseball bat. You know, black guy that's you know six feet three, four hundred, you know, four hundred pounds. You know, some shit like that. So I'm like, okay, what about a twelve year old kid with a gun in the school? Mm-hmm. What about an eighty year old man who has Alzheimer's and he's shooting off the front? porch of his house thinking he's back in the Korean War or World War II. Yeah. Because one of the guys I used to work with had to take that shot. Mm. Not in Petersburg, but another jurisdiction. You know, the guy was just, he thought he was back in the war. So went crazy. And it, he ain't a gun to them. He took him out. But, yeah. you know, and, and the point of that is you can be an imposter in some things and we're all going to be imposters at different levels. But the bottom line was if you haven't made peace with the idea that particularly this is law enforcement, that you may have to take another person's life or you may have to, um, give your own life mm-hmm. for total strangers. This ain't the job for you. Yeah. You know, cause I had plenty of, of um, and it, people love me or hate me, but they'll say this in a fight. They never have to worry about what I was going to jump in or not. They didn't <laughs> give a, I mean, I've had people that hate me say, yeah, okay, I agree, but that motherfucker is going to jump in the battle. Yeah. He's if we're going to go down, if I love you, or hate you, I didn't give a shit, but I'm not going to let somebody else take you down. Yeah. Particularly when I was on duty as a cop. I mean, and I would try to help anybody now, but I mean, at that that squad level, that that uh, law mm-hmm. enforcement level, what you represent. I mean, I still feel that way today. There's no freaking way. Yeah, because more at that point, it's more than just you. It's yeah, it's everything we represent: the Constitution, the, the freedom of people, um, your friends. They they go home to families. Yeah, we say make sure they get home safe. Yeah, we we had guys on the SWAT team fighting about who was going up in an attic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you because told me a about suspect that. was up there, and me, me and this guy hate each other. I, I really don't hate him, but uh, uh, at the time we were we were tight, and uh, he had just had a son because I had you and Megan. Yeah, he, he had his first son, and, and I was like, "All right, dude, I'm going up." He's like, "Bitch, you ain't going up there." Mm-hmm. I said, "Dude, you ain't going up there. You just had a son. Like your son's like a month old." Yeah, and then because one of the other the imposters, one of the other guys is standing down there, like not saying shit. Like, hey, I can go up there. I don't have any kids. Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, I guess I'll go. No, he was like, "Hey guys, I got it." No, he, he just like, uh, 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 you know, that's what I'm talking about. Don't look at me. So at the end of the day, hopefully he had some reflection. That guy I'm talking about, not not us two. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah. went up there together, and this guy's huge, and we're trying to like go. So both this, of y'all end up going up. Yeah, together. We're trying to fight to get through that. <laughs> so instead of just one of y'all, <laughs> we both go up together, and we're trying to like you know, justify by looking at the different angles and shit. <laughs> we both can barely fit on the ladder. And the other guy's still, still at the bottom of the steps. Mm. Well, he had the imposter syndrome at that. Yeah, moment. and what I mean is, you know, my my hope is that that person. I know he didn't, but at the end of the night, I hope that in, at the end of the shift, and, and this is law enforcement or, or whatever, this is just me talking. Um, I would always make an assessment of how I did. Yeah, you know, and if I failed or hesitated or did whatever or made a mistake, I I, I would judge myself that much harsh harsher. Mm-hmm. You know, but I know people that are imposters that they're in this job for the wrong reason. 
And and at the end of the night, I don't think when they go home and, and, you know, if they wake up in the middle of the night or when they wake up in the morning, look at themselves in the mirror, I don't think that they're looking at the fact that, hey, I'm an imposter. No. They want shit given to them. And this is not a new generation thing. This is, I had guys, I'd be on a fight on the street. And yeah. damn cop be standing there with, you know, with his pee-pee in his hand, <laughs> not doing shit. You're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, the, we can, you know, there, there are people, you know, it's really fight, fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. It's so probably frozen in yeah, fear. Yeah, it's frozen. So it's actually freeze, fight or flight. Yeah. Or freeze. So when you see a first stimulus, you stop for, take your microsecond to figure what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Then you make that, oh, that decision. But some people, they freeze. Yeah. And they're frozen there in fear. Yeah. Now that means they, that doesn't mean they can't overcome it. But unless you know in your mind later, you have that harsh self-assessment that, hey. I, I froze up. I froze I up. How can I get different. better? Yeah, I need, I, need, I need to. How can I overcome this? And we could spend a podcast about how to overcome it. But uh, yeah, um, that self-assessment is, is crucial for all of us, you know? Yeah, I think, I think most people do that every day. I, mean, I think I learned that from you and you and mom. Yeah. It's like, whether it's good or bad, like thinking about what I did, whether it's when I was in school, at work, yeah. like what, what you can do better, what I did bad. I think, and everyone judges themselves the hardest most of the time. Sure. Well, I mean, and this, we're talking about, this is, I know we went from, and I'm not teaching, this is, to me is the most important job. And if we had great teachers and they were treated mm-hmm. right and the rules were for them. Yeah. We wouldn't have half the freaking problems that we have. But anyway, um, I, I'll jump to some series of like life and death stuff. But I mean, you know, you've got things going on in school that are life and death nowadays. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people get out of teaching because they're not, I'm not here for this. And then not only that, there's no responsibility. So a kid who does some, you know, egregious crime, it could be even a level of a felony, you know, two weeks later to back at school. Yeah. I saw it every, every day. Yeah. That's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Where and kids, it, I mean, I, I do agree that at that age you do need second chances. And sure. Yeah. You can. You don't want to lock a kid up for years for. No. Doing, I mean, they're still growing and learning, but at the same time, these kids do grow up faster than I think they used to with social yeah. media and. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's probably always been like that, just based on uh, where they grew up and you know how they grew up, but just. I think, like you said, rules being aimed towards, um, you know, in the in the kids, I'm trying to trying to word it, um, like rules being made so kids have the best opportunity to have a second chance and grow. But also, I think that also puts teachers right. and other students in danger because I mean, some days in school I was more of a bouncer than right. a teacher, breaking up fights and. Um, you know, searching kids for drugs and all, you know, stuff like that. It's like, man, yeah. what am I doing? And this is middle school. 13 and 14 year olds. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what, what is going on here? You know, they say, they say the kid nowadays, a nine year old kid will see more nude figures than his grandfather saw in a lifetime. Yep. By the time they're nine years old. Just because of the internet. Right. So you're desensitized, you know, and, but you know, you don't have to lock a kid up to, um, teach them but like if they had in school detention when i was in in school detention because there was no computers or cell phones yeah you just sat there in silence and did your work and you had to turn it in at the end of the day a certain amount yeah and now they're playing on their phones all the time because they got computers like nah guess what and in school suspension everything's written by hand yeah (laughs) no 
Jimmy's I remember farms. having to rewrite a sentence over and over again. Like, I'm sorry for yep. whatever I did. I'm write, sorry. Write yeah. it 50 times. That was your history teacher, wasn't it? Ninth grade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we cause hell in that class. That's probably why I had problems with kids as, as a teacher. That was karma for what I did to that. That's right. That lady. Well, it was I, nothing terrible, but we just... Yeah, you just gave her hell. Yeah, yeah, kind of. yeah and, and there's a big difference. And I, don't, I mean, we probably wrap this up, but there's a big difference between doing things for fun and, and you have fun intent. And I don't mean like breaking rules of school, but you're not going to sit there and self-assess for going out with your friends and having a laugh fest or watching the fight and drinking some beers and no. talking shit. I'm not, we're not talking about nothing like that. We're talking about things that you know you can improve on to make you, make you a better person um, for your family initially. Yeah. So that's about and I was, I was looking at this one, one other thing, kind of wrap it up. Um, I think this was kind of like an imposter syndrome cycle. Okay. And kind of how it, how it builds up. So like a new project or task yep. can make you feel like you're an imposter. Yeah. I have plenty of examples of that. You're like, start something new and you're like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yep. So that causes anxiety, procrastination, or over-preparation. Yeah. you're good. You're cause trying you're, hard, right? You're thinking about it, even if it's, even if you are procrastinating, like, I can relate to that, trying too hard, like you over-prepare. Right. Um, and then project completion, and you have a br- brief relief, sense of accomplishment. And then, just like you said, going into the, um, going back and thinking about what you did, uh, rationalization was, oh, I was just lucky or, well, someone else would have done a better job hmm. once you're done. And yeah. I, yeah, I felt that right. you get done with a lesson or something. You're like, that went well. And you're like, damn, someone else probably would have done that better. Yeah. You start thinking about all the bad things. And then through that, you get an increase of self-doubt, anxiety, and then you feel like a fraud. And then it just repeats and another new task and just right repeats itself yeah so i mean i guess for if to wrap it up reading that i mean i think that the imposter syndrome is is probably good initially i mean let's say it a couple ways we're tied up i think it's going to happen no matter what when you start something new new right if you care about something you're going to be nervous and you want to do a good job but if you continue to be an imposter and just fake it the whole time particularly if, if you're you know, let's say you're in a really important job, like a teacher mm-hmm. and you're, you're not really doing the, you're not doing your homework to be a better teacher yeah, or, uh, to provide the better product for the, for the consumer, in this case, students or in your new job for the, for the, you know, HVAC, you're trying to produce, produce, let's say you just went there and kept making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. When there's life and death stuff happen. If you have a oil furnace and that exhaust pipe starts leaking, you get yeah O2 and, or, uh, yeah, you get those gases in carbon your house. Dioxide. Carbon dioxide. Yeah, there it is. I mean, you could die from the shit. Yeah, you're not going to live from that. Yeah. So, so yeah, and I, nurses. You don't, you don't. You don't want a doctor who's half-assing everything. No, you want to. <laughs> if you have a job, take this shit seriously and be the best you can do at the job you're doing. Yeah, there's no need not to. You know. And I think I'm just last last thing I'm looking at. Um, how to get past? I think once you get past the stage of being new at something. Um, like being prepared and instead of blaming accomplishments on luck, yeah, you start saying, well, I prepared for it. It went well. That's right. I deserve it. Because I prepared for it. And then distrusting in, uh, 
in others is a sign. So actually believing what people, if someone says you did a great job, then maybe you did actually do a great job. Yeah, I agree. Um, And there's one more in here. So, and then feeling unworthy of success. Right. I think. I think Kate kind of touched on that. That was good when she said. Yeah. If you succeed something, you should actually pat yourself on the back. Yeah. And accept positive feedback. All those things. Word. So that was a <laughs> a kind of roller coaster there. Bam! I'm tired. I'm ready for a nap. Yeah. So we 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 kind of ran the gamut. We'll call this on the hill, off the hill, whatever. On the hill, off the actually. Uh, Tommy, was that the second episode? Yeah. Yeah. Tommy had an idea of having off the hill, off the hill, where we kind of just talk smack. Yeah. Talk about whatever. No topic. Kind of go crazy. We kind of did that. Well, we we didn't, but we did. So yeah, we got a topic. We got some guys that are going to bring on here in the future that are. It's going to have to be off the hill. Yeah, for sure. Maybe a couple of drinks and then just go crazy. It's, yeah, well, I'll, I might. But it guard these mics though. Yeah, keep might, these safe. Might have a, like cold beers in here for the fellas. Get you a cookie, cookie baby, cookie monster, cookie man. All right, well, I guess that's it, brother. Yeah, and um, again. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And this video will be live on YouTube every other Monday. You can find us here. On the hill. On the hill. Yes, sir. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to On the Hill. Like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. See ya.